So I'm going to ask a question this morning. How many of you, your children, especially if you have older children, you'll, you'll probably understand this even better. How many of you, your children have ever come up to you like after the fact years later and told you about something they did? Just, just stick your hand up. Yep, I, I thought there'd be a few more than that. In the early service, some kids stuck up their hands, so I don't know if they were confessing or what that was about. <laughs> but anyway, so I have two daughters and three boys, and my three boys relish in telling those kinds of stories, like things that we never knew they did that they shouldn't have done. And uh, one such story has to do with my son, Austin. He's 32 now. And his best friend, Zach, and he and Zach are still best friends, even though they've lived apart for years. But they were best friends back when they were five years old. And uh, we were living in that camp in North Carolina. And um, one day, Austin and Zach somehow got a hold. They were, they were supposed to be locked up. But anyway, they got a hold of one of a loaded twenty-two rifle that we used at our rifle range. And they took it to the barn... And they climbed up in the hayloft, and there from their perch, they begin to shoot at rats. Now, the barn has a concrete floor. These are five-year-old boys, and uh, no rats were ever harmed, I can tell you that. But uh, this is what Austin said, and I quote, It was really cool, Dad, watching those little puffs of dust and then listening to the bullet bounce around the room. My wife is about to cry as he's telling this story because she realizes what could have happened. And I had to tell Austin, Austin, there are some stories you just don't ever need to tell your mom. Just don't tell her those types of stories. You know, sometimes your friends can get you in trouble. In fact, sometimes if you have friends that are always getting you in trouble... It might be time for you to find new friends. And uh, we've kind of been talking about that in this whole series. Our theme has been, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And this morning we're going to kind of shift gears just a tiny bit. And we're going to talk about kind of the term, when do you need to choose new friends? Or when do you need to redefine friendships? Of course on Facebook they have that term called unfriending, right? How many of you have ever unfriended somebody on Facebook? Maybe just, they just annoyed you after a while, you were frustrated with their posts, their rants, their political rhetoric. Just put your hand up, just stick it up there for just a minute, you've unfriended somebody. Now don't look at them right now, don't point him out or anything, okay? Don't want to do that, but you unfriended somebody. And I think the term friend in general has kind of been cheapened because of Facebook. Now, there's a lot of very positive things about Facebook and social media, and it can enhance friendships and build relationships up some more. But I think we've cheapened that word friend because of the, you know, I have 300 friends on Facebook. You probably really don't have 300 friends. In fact, some of them you probably never even met. You probably have some friends, but you probably have a lot of casual acquaintances. And then the fact that you can just like unfriend somebody, click a button and distance yourself from them, I think again, probably cheapens that word friend. So this morning, instead of thinking about it in terms of unfriending somebody, I want you to think about it in terms of redefining a relationship. Redefining a relationship with those people who aren't a strong or a good spiritual influence on you. 
And I want to say this. If you are a real committed follower of Jesus Christ, I think it's imperative that from time to time you're going to have to redefine your friendships. Because God's going to be heading you down a certain path and there's going to be times that there are friends in your life that are not supporting that direction that God's sending you. We all have different seasons of life. And sometimes you just have to redefine friendships. Why? Because of the theme of this whole series. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And what has been our key verse during this entire time? Let's read it all together. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. Say it with me. Walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. How many of you have just about got that memorized by now? Oh, come on. You've been saying it every week with me. Okay. Y'all got homework now, okay? All right. So you can memorize this verse in like five minutes. So tomorrow on your way to work, on your way to school, parents, this is your homework with your kids tomorrow. You homeschoolers, I don't know how you do it, but whatever it is, memorize this verse. And this is the kind of verse that when you memorize, it'll stick with you the rest of your life. So take a couple minutes this afternoon, tomorrow, whatever it is, Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. And of course it means, if you hang out with wise people, you will become wiser. If you hang out with idiots, you'll be a bigger idiot. I mean, that's basically the gist of that verse. And just, just thinking about this whole friendship idea. Have you ever noticed that a lot of times when you do something stupid or you get in trouble, maybe when you were younger, it's because you did it with a friend? You ever notice that? And like the bigger the trouble, the more likely it was it had to do with at least one friend. Like either you were egging them on or they were egging you on. Have you ever noticed that? So I was one of those kids. I, it's not that I never got in trouble because certainly I got grounded and things like that, believe me. Um, but I was also one of those kids that for the most part, you know, just back talking and things like that that got me in the most trouble. I was a firstborn people pleaser, parent pleaser and all that kind of thing. But I remember when I was in, in, in I, was a, I was 10 years old, and I had this friend named Billy Van Stockham. And uh, my mom used to say, he's a bad influence on you. And it's not like we were robbing banks or stealing cars or anything. I mean, we're 10 years old, right? But every once in a while, we would just probably do something that we weren't supposed to do. And so I'm living in Plattsburgh, New York. And uh, Plattsburgh is like 20 miles from Canada. So it's cold lots of snow. And so one cold winter day, we had to be at church early because Billy's parents and my parents were both in the choir. And so I had instructions. You can play in the parking lot. Don't leave the parking lot. Guess what we did? We left the parking lot. We got bored. And there was this railroad bridge about a quarter of a mile away. And so we decided to go to the railroad bridge, kind of cut through the woods to the railroad bridge. And we get to the railroad bridge and then we had this genius idea. Why don't we throw snowballs at the cars going under the bridge? Stupid, stupid, don't ever do that idea. So it became a competition, and we're aiming at different parts of cars. And, you know, it's all fun and games till you hit a car and they skid. 
And the car didn't hit anything, but the guy jumped out would hit the windshield of his car. He jumped out, and he was mad. Fortunately for us, we were up the hill and up the bridge, and he couldn't really get to us. And we took off as fast as we could. So we get back to the church, and I guess he just kind of connected some dots. Where would kids be coming from? Drove over to the church. And uh, we were still hiding in the woods, and he found somebody going in, and he asked them if they'd seen any kids throwing snowballs, and that person hadn't seen anybody. But here's the point of the story. I probably would have never done that if I'd have been by myself. Probably never have done that. But you put me with somebody else who didn't have good judgment either, and all at once, we're both stupid. Just doing something absolutely crazy. I mean, we could have caused a serious accident. Just doing something totally dumb. I got in trouble with the wrong company that influenced me into wrong behaviors. Over in the book of Proverbs, there's another Proverbs over in chapter 12. It says this, and it speaks directly to this. The righteous choose their friends carefully. Some versions put cautiously, which I even like that term better. The righteous choose their friends cautiously or carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Notice it says the righteous choose their friends. By chance, you're going to meet lots of people. And some of them you might meet over and over, and so in a sense, they become a little bit of an acquaintance. But when it comes to our friends, Scripture says we need to choose them carefully. Because if we don't, it says the wicked, wicked people lead us astray. Again, show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. And here's our key thought for today. You know, we've had three of these, one in each, each week. The first week is... Well, show me your friends. I'll show you the future. The second week, we said you could be one friend away from changing your destiny. The third week, last week, we said you might be one community away from changing your life. And today is this. You cannot live the right life when you have the wrong friends. You cannot live the right life when you have the wrong friends. It is impossible to live a God-honoring life if you, your closest friends are not God-honoring people. Paul puts it this way. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Why do you think he says that? Do not be misled. I think it's for this reason. Because it's so easy to be misled. It's just easy to do. In fact, I promise you this morning... There are some of you that are going to be sitting in this room this morning and you're going to hear this message and you're going to think to yourself, not me. Yeah, I've got some people that I hang out with that they're not very smart and they do some dumb things, but they're not going to rub off on me. I'm smarter than that. They're not going to, they might influence everybody else, but not me. I'm better than that. Some of you are going to be thinking that. Can I be blunt? Don't be stupid. How's that for blunt? Don't be stupid, because it will affect you. Scripture says it will. Bad company corrupts good character. You show me your friends, and I'll show you who you are becoming. You cannot live the right life with the wrong friends. Now, that seems pretty black and white, doesn't it? I mean, just cut and dry, bad company corrupts good character. So in this series, we've been kind of saying, you need to choose your friends carefully, you don't need to hang out with the, with the wrong types of people. 
But we're also going to deal a little bit with a tension this morning. And here's the tension. Pastor, I get what you're saying. Got it. About not hanging out with the wrong people. But doesn't Scripture say that Jesus was a friend of sinners? So, here's the tension. You say we're not supposed to hang out with the wrong kind of people, but yet we're supposed to be salt and light. We're supposed to bring light into darkness. And you say, Pastor, and the best way to do that is through relationships, through friendships. So how are we supposed to be the light and the salt if we're not supposed to hang out? And what does it mean with sinners? But, but yet Jesus hung out with sinners. It's kind of a paradox, isn't it? I mean, how are you supposed to do both? Do we stay away or do we engage? The Bible says don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. So what do we do with that? How do we let our light shine into the darkness? Should we avoid these people? Or do we reach out to those people? You see that kind of tension? So what's the answer? Avoid them? Hang out with them? Yes. Both. Here's, here, here's, here's, here's the tension. And, and, and it... It's going to be a tension that you, there's no one, two, three, this is the way you do it, black and white, tidied up with all a bow. You have to kind of live with this tension somewhat. We have to be careful not to let the wrong influences take us away from God's call. But at the same time, we have to be careful not to let our hearts grow so cold that we can't show the love of Jesus Christ. And here's how I think we relieve this tension. And part of it's never going to go away. But what I believe is foundational about this tension and about this principle is that if you are a committed follower of Jesus Christ, your inner circle, your core, those three, four, five, six, seven people, whatever it is, that core group of your friends need to be committed followers of Jesus Christ. The people that you influence the most and the people that influence you the most, the people that you speak into and the people that speak into you, that core group, that needs to be Christians. Because that's where you're going to get your strength. And that's where you're going to get your encouragement. And that's where you're going to get your love. And that's the people that are going to correct you too. And then when at your core... You are hanging out with people that are also committed to Jesus Christ. Then your roots are going to grow deeper. And when your roots grow deeper, just like a tree, then your reach gets broader. So that core group helps you to grow deeper spiritually. That inner circle. And if you don't have it made up of the right people, then you have shallow roots and you don't have the reach. So your core needs to be Christians. Those of you who work out, those of you who are athletes, those of you who just go to the gym or whatever, have you ever seen those people that, like all they do is upper body workouts, that guy in the gym, that's all he does? Anybody ever seen that guy? Like, yeah, there he is right there, right? Look at these legs. Like, give me a break, right? So you got these guys that all they do, they just do upper body, they never pay any attention to the core, they never pay any attention to their foundation, it's just all upper body. And physiologists tell us that 
if you don't pay attention to your core and you don't pay attention to your, to your foundation, eventually you won't even be able to make your upper body grow anymore because it physiology, that's not the right word. Anyway, it just won't work anymore. So that's, that's the importance of your core. It's true of our bodies, but it's also true of us spiritually. As Christians, our core, our foundational friends need to be strong. If not, we'll wimp out and we'll give in. And do you realize that Jesus is a great example of this? If you've ever really studied Jesus, you'll notice this. He loves everybody unconditionally, but he doesn't treat them all equally. He loved everybody unconditionally, but he didn't treat everybody equally. Back in the 90s when the Dallas Cowboys were actually winning Super Bowls, I've always been a fan of the Cowboys, I don't know why, it's about time to get off of that bandwagon, right? But anyway... Um, They had a coach named Jimmy Johnson. And after a game at Thanksgiving, by the way, I'm not a bandwagon fan. I grew up in Texas, so it's honest. But anyway, so after a Thanksgiving ball game, you know, the Cowboys always played on Thanksgiving. The next day, he cut a running back for missing a block. Everybody's like, that's kind of harsh. Like like the guy just missed a block and, and you cut him off the team. And so a reporter asked him, said, well, would you have cut Emmitt Smith? Emmitt Smith, Hall of Fame running back that was playing for the Cowboys at the same time. He said, no, I don't treat all players equally. Jesus was the same way. Now, don't jump to conclusions about what I'm saying here, but think about this. He loved everybody unconditionally, but he didn't treat them all equally. How many disciples did Jesus have? Twelve, right? Didn't have 15. Didn't have 25. Of that 12... Did he treat all 12 of them equally? Nope, somebody got it. No. Three of them, Peter, James, and John, he treated differently than the other nine. They were his inner circle. There were also times when when Jesus, you know, there would be times when, when people wanted to be healed and the poor were looking for him and the disciples wanted a part of him and everybody wants a piece of Jesus. And what would he do sometimes? He'd just like draw a line in the sand and he'd say, I gotta go talk to my father i got to get away. And sometimes he'd be gone for as long as, as 40 days because he had to get that strength and let his roots grow deeper so that his reach could be broader. You cannot live the right life with the wrong friends. So some of you are going, okay, I get it. If all my friends are knocking off banks and robbing gas stations and leaders in the mob and cooking meth in their kitchen for fifth graders, I probably need some new friends. Well, if that's the case for you, absolutely, you do need some new friends. But probably that's not the case for those of you in this room. That's, that's, that's probably not anybody in this room. The reality for most of you is there are some influences in your life, but they're probably a lot different than that, and they need to be redefined. It could be you have some influences in your life that are just, they're just an incredibly negative people. They're just critical all the time. And it's rubbing off on you. And maybe you don't even realize and other people are saying, boy, you're just so negative. You're so critical now. You didn't used to be like that. When those people tell you that, there's, there's something going on. Maybe you have some influences that are tempting you to do things that are not honoring to God and you need to redefine that relationship. You may have people that are influences and friends in your life and they're headed you in directions that literally could change your life and not in a good way. 
Some of you may have friends that are asking you to do things that are illegal. Maybe you've got people that are introducing values into your life that are directly opposite of what Scripture says. And you need to redefine those relationships. Maybe there's something that started innocently enough with a member of the opposite sex. Maybe it was a coworker or something. And now you find that, you know, there's kind of this emotional, you're drawn to each other emotionally. And you need to redefine that friendship in a big hurry before it destroys your marriage and destroys your family. It has to be redefined. And there are other influences like that. You can love everybody. But you don't have to have it, let everybody into your inner circle. The righteous choose their friends carefully, and that's what we all need to do. So let's kind of get practical a little bit this morning. I'm going to talk about two things that we never need to do. And I'm going to talk about one practical thing that we need to make sure that we always do. Here's the first of the never things. We never, I will never let my friends distract me from God's plan. This is exactly what Jesus did. We're going to use Jesus as an example again. Do you remember when he was with Peter, one of his inner circle three, and uh, Jesus had told them that, hey, I'm going to die, and you know, i got to go up to heaven. I'm dying. I'm going to die on a cross for you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And Peter's like, no, Jesus, no. Like, Jesus, you said you were going to be our king. And, of course, Peter's thinking, like, you're going to set up a kingdom in, in Jerusalem like now, a real, like, physical kingdom. That's what he thinks Jesus is talking about. Jesus, you can't do that. You're supposed to be our king. We need you alive if you're going to be the king. So Peter wasn't understanding it, and Peter's trying to change God's plans for Jesus' life. So what, is, what does Jesus say to him? Over in Matthew, this is what he says in Matthew chapter 16, verse 23. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. So if you ever need to make a point with one of your friends, call him Satan, okay? Like, get behind me, Satan. You, ever, you do that, you'll get his attention, right? Now, don't make that your always go-to, okay? Like, if your mother-in-law's in town for the holidays and she's getting on your nerves, don't say, Satan! Don't tell her to get behind you either because she might get a knife and stab you in the back. So it can't always be your go-to. Notice what he goes on to say. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Peter, you're a stumbling block. You don't know what God wants for me, and you're trying to distract me from God's plans. Now, I don't know what that might look like in your friendships, but maybe you have some friends that are trying to distract you from the things of God. You enjoy hanging out with them. Maybe they're pretty good people. But when you're going to church, it's like, you're going to church again? Man, is that all you do? Why do you have to go every week? You turn into some kind of Bible thumper or something? I mean, what, couldn't once a month do the trick? And they try to talk you out of that. You need to redefine that friendship. Maybe it's a girlfriend or a boyfriend, and they're like, I can't believe you go to church all the time. Hey, we're a good family. We only go a couple times a year, Easter and Christmas. But we're good. We love God. We wave the American flag. We eat apple pie. We're good people. We don't do that. Aren't you going a little bit overboard? 
and you need to say, no, I can't let you distract me, or at least you need to think that. Your friend's like, you're going to the movie? You're, you're going to small group again? If we don't go to the movie tonight, we won't be able to go. It might not be showing next week. Don't need those kind of friends. You're going to pray again? Please don't pray in the restaurant. You're going to embarrass me. Redefine those kind of friendships. If they're distracting you, you need different kinds of friends. You need to redefine those friends. Maybe it's, maybe I'm talking to adults and couples in here. Maybe it's materialistic things. You've got these couples that you hang out with and they're just very materialistic. You want to live a lifestyle of generosity. But these friends you have, it's all about the appearance. You know, what kind of house you have, what kind of car you have, remodeling stuff. Maybe you feel a lot of pressure to have certain things for your kids because you're trying to keep up with them. And there's just this incredible pressure because every time you're around them, it's the new this and the new that and, and, and that kind of thing. That friendship may need to be redefined. Just redefine it. Because you've got something different. Your relationship with Jesus Christ and his plans for you. Redefine those relationships. Maybe you're dating somebody that doesn't want to go to church at all and they don't go to church. And you're, you're trying to defend it all the time and you're like, well, I know he's got a Bible. I've seen it with his name on it. He got it when he was baptized when he's three months old. So I know God's in there somewhere. Let it go. Redefine that relationship. Bad company corrupts good character. So that's the first one. Never hang out with people that are detracting you from, from God's plan. The second is this. Never let your friend, don't have friends that continually tempt you to sin. You can love them, but don't let them drag you down. You know, an incredible example of this is Joseph over in the Old Testament. Joseph, you may remember, was sold by his brothers into slavery. But once he gets into Egypt where he was sold into slavery, he's bought by Potiphar. And then Joseph just has this incredible integrity about him. And Potiphar really begins to trust him. And he makes this great impression on Potiphar. But apparently he makes quite the impression on Potiphar's wife too. And so over in Genesis chapter 39 verse 12 Potiphar's wife comes up and is like, hey, you big hunk, would you come sleep with me? That's the NLT, ver the NDT version, the New Dennis translation. That's pretty good. You know, sometimes I get fired up about my own preaching, right? See, that? you know, when you only work a half a day on Wednesdays and a little bit on Sundays, you just have time to come up with all these great ideas. Now, actually, it says this. Come to bed with me, but he left his cloak or his jacket in her hand. And he ran out of the house. So he got out of Dodge. You know what he didn't do? Hey, sister, I think I need to pray with you a little bit. We do a little bit of counseling here. No. He got away from the temptation as fast as he could. He didn't stick around for that temptation. Redefined friendships. And I don't know how that plays out in your life. Again, maybe you got people in... Your friends, they just gossip, gossip, gossip. And you're like, you know what? If that's all you're going to do, I'm out of here. Or ladies, maybe at work, you've got girlfriends that are just always trash-talking men. You know, they're no good. You can't trust them. You can't marry them. You can't shoot them. They're just worthless. Hate them. Maybe you need to be like, you know what? If that's what y'all are going to talk about, then I'm leaving the lunchroom. Or guys, 
Maybe there's, and these guys you hang out with, it's like, man, it's just always about the hot chicks. Oh, look at her. Whoa, check her out. And it's just always in a degrading way. And you know, you say, yeah, I have a hot chick. She's my wife and she's at home. And if this is what it's going to be, then I'm not playing on the ball team or I'm not going to the sports grill. I'm not going to the ball game or whatever it is. I'm not going to do that. Redefine friendships. Some of you probably have friends that your common denominator in that group of friends is a sin. That's the common denominator. That's not what your core group should be. It should be about Jesus Christ. That should be the common denominator. And yeah, sin's fun for a while. I'm not going to tell you it's not. Satan makes sure of that. Pastor, you saying sin's fun? Yep, for a while. And then it usually has disastrous consequences. Redefine those friendships. People tempting you, people distracting you from God, redefine them. Third thing is this. This is the, the flip side. I will never, ever stop loving people with the unconditional love of Jesus Christ. You know, the worst thing that could possibly happen out of this series is we all walk out of here and we become holier than thou. Like we shine our halos. Get away from me, you're evil. You won't talk to people that aren't Christians. That's the absolute worst thing that could happen. When you think about it, Jesus didn't unfriend sinners, but you know who he did unfriend? The hypocrites, the Pharisees, the holier-than-thous. Those are the people he did distance himself from. So we let our roots grow deep so that our love can grow broader. And we love people unconditionally. And listen, folks, it's time for the church to stop judging non-Christians. Why aren't you acting like a Christian? Because they're not. And they don't have the same values and the same standards. They didn't sign up for it. Now, that doesn't mean you accept them for everything, but you still love them unconditionally. And so we live with this tension. We go into the world, but we don't let the world disrupt God's plan for us. Sometimes you might even have to say, I love being your friend, but I'm not going to let you drag me down. That's what God's calling us to do. Love unconditionally. And when we do that, we fulfill the command of John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. What does it say? A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So what's the command? Love one another. And when we love one another, what do people know about us? We're Jesus' disciples. Notice, it says love one another. It doesn't say, if you go to church every week, they'll know you're my disciples. If you put money in the offering plate, they'll know you're my disciple. If you have perfect theology, they'll know you're my disciple. No, what does it say? If you love one another. So there's that tension again. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. You cannot live the right life when you have the wrong friends. Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, we come to you again this morning. and Father, I just pray for your word today. I pray for these scriptures that we've looked at today. And Father, I just pray that your spirit will move in us. 
Father, just because there's a lot of folks here this morning, I'm sure there's some people in this room that they have some friends in their inner circle that they need to move away from. And that's difficult. We won't kid ourselves. It's sometimes very hard to cut ties. But Father, I just pray that you give them the courage and the boldness to do that because it's literally their future that's at stake. Father, I pray for all of us that it really is easy to kind of retreat from the world and just hang out with your Christian buddies and have no influence at all. Help us to figure out where that tension is and where that line is so that, Father, our inner circle moves us closer to you, but at the same time, we still have that outreach to share the good news. Father, I pray for our commitment time this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.